You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yes, he can shave whichever part of his body he wants. Another episode of the Attacking Scrum podcast, another episode and uh, another Wales defeat to New Zealand. I feel like I've done this podcast many, many times before, but I'm not sure I've done this one with you actually, Steph. I think it's nice to have a, nice to have a different voice to look back upon disappointment after an All Blacks game. How are you doing? Yeah, good, thanks. Um, yeah, obviously, we, we've seen this movie countless times. <laughs> um, yeah, it was... Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, obviously the... The sort of um, there was an air of expectancy surrounding Wales, which I I didn't really get. If I'm being mm. honest, um, I think a lot of people had seen New Zealand's results and uh, maybe hadn't really analysed their performances before playing Wales. But you know they'd they'd lost a series to Ireland, um, which obviously was disappointing. They lost that home test against the Argentinians, which was obviously unacceptable by their standards, but there are also a lot of games this season. You know, they put Argentina to the sword uh, the following week. They, they, they put Australia to the sword as well. Uh, they did win the first test against Ireland, so they have shown glimpses this season of how good they could be. And, they you know, they did win the Bledisloe Cup and the Rugby Championship. And I think people were, quite frankly, living in Club Kukuland if they thought the Wales were even going to get close on this weekend. So I, I didn't expect to see them win, but... What I was shocked by was the manner of the defeat. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought Wales had actually taken a step forward in South Africa, but they, um, you know, that that was to put it into context. That's the most points Wales have ever conceded at home. Uh, well, in Cardiff in a Test match. Um, is it really? Yeah. So that's um, yeah. I think I think that that wow. sums it up really. So it's the manner of the defeat for me that uh, was disappointing rather than the actual defeat. Yeah, that's um, yeah. I, I, I think that's look. We're not, as we said, we're no strangers to losing to New Zealand. It's happened virtually every year for the last seventy. So, uh, yeah, I completely agree with that. And do you know what? With the manner, it's the thing that really rubbed it into me was watching the other Test matches later on in that day and watching Ireland versus South Africa and the level of intensity that both sides sides showed in that, and then watching. France versus Australia, which was like another. It was a completely different league to uh, to to what Wales had had put out, and you know, really, it looked like you know to use a football kind of comparison, Wales looked like a, a championship side uh, uh, when you look at and you look at the the other sides on display, New Zealand, Australia, France. They were you know they're all they're all Premier League and Champions League sides. They were just they look like a league two, not a championship side. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's probably that's probably about right. It's just it was just so sluggish, and I think any of that intensity that we'd seen over the summer had had gone. What I would say 
is that Wales are no, you know, no strangers to slow starts. We had a lot of that during the the Warren Gatland period, but I don't know if you saw the uh, the, the tweet from from Russ Petty. I think it might have been yesterday about Wales's record against um, uh, against top twenty, uh, sorry, the top ten opposition since twenty twenty, and it really does make for for grim reading. Um, so I'm just uh, digging it out now, so we can kind of have a look at it. But it's um. Yeah, really grim. So Wales have won six out of 24 tests versus top 10 opposition since uh, 2020. And of those six wins, one was against Ireland in 2021 when Omani was red carded in the first 15 minutes. One was a, a win by point against Scotland and uh, Xander Faggerson was uh, red carded uh, after 50 minutes. Uh, the win over England, uh, which again, obviously there were some dubious refereeing decisions, but to be fair, was it was still a win over England in 2021. Win over Australia by a point, uh, um, and Valentini got red carded after 15 minutes. Uh, a win over Scotland in 2022, and uh, and that win against the South Africa, yeah, a highly changed South Africa side in the second test. It doesn't make for good reading, does it? It doesn't. But I think what what really um, struck me was, um, you know, we I'm not absolving Wayne Pivak of any blame. Um, you know, he, he's got to take a lot of responsibilities, the head coach. But, you know, this getting rid of Pivak wouldn't necessarily address the root cause of all Wales' no, issues. Um, because you you think about it, um, you know, you you watch um, regional rugby week in, week out. Um, the standards is, is just, and, and this isn't, the, you know, I'm not blaming the regions because, as I've said a number of times, they've been, woefully neglected by uh, the Welsh Rugby Union and there's just no plan uh, plan in place that I can see. But the standard at regional level is very poor. Mm. There's, there's just no getting away from that. This isn't a dig. That That's that's fact. Um, it's, it's just really, really poor. And these players are playing at a at a very, um, very low level. You know, they're, they're used to playing in teams that are losing most, most weekends. Um, and you know when that happens, you're in a, a just you know you're not in the best environment, and you're picking up bad habits. Um, and when you look at the game on the weekend, um, obviously, you know this happened in the Gatland era as well. They were all slow starters in the autumn, but they were what they were empty niddled down after 19 minutes. They they looked like even though they were players in that team with. 70, 80 caps. A lot of play. Most players looked like they'd never played an international before. It was a massive shock to the system for them. They're going from playing, losing games most weekends at regional level, um, to playing uh, to playing the All Blacks, and they were just blown out of the water in the first twenty minutes. To their credit, they didn't they didn't throw in the towel. They came back, well constructed try. Rio Dyer scored, and you know New Zealand gave them ins into the game as well, and and and, and Wales got back into the game, but they just couldn't sustain. Um, any pressure they put on New Zealand and the defence was just so porous. I mean, it, it, it was abysmal. And then you compare Wales with <clears throat> with Ireland, as you said earlier, the Irish players are playing in very strong sides. They've got very strong coaching setups. There's huge investment in the Irish provinces, you know, and it's just a winning culture. There's so much confidence. And, you know, this excuse that, you know, Wales are slow starters because the coaches mm. haven't got them for long enough. It, it, it's it's bollocks, you know. You, you look at Ireland and from the off, you know, absolutely huge intensity. You know, they beat the world champions, and you know, I just think that the you can't ignore the correlation between what happens at club or regional level or provincial level to what happens at the test level. You know, Wales had a very a special group of players for the last decade, and and people forget that the regional game was actually pretty strong for for a lot of it. Um, people forget that. Um, but ultimately, you know, this this rot has finally spread to the to the national side. They, they had a good two of South Africa by their standards, but they were never going to be able to sustain that. And you just watched it, and you just I I watched it. And I just thought, you know, these players just aren't used to playing anywhere near this level week in week out. And things have got to change um, at regional level because as it's, everything's been such a top heavy approach, they've neglected everything underneath it and. You know, it's um, it's caught up with them, unfortunately. And yes, you know, they can improve on last week. They, they'll get a bit better in the autumn. But, you know, I, I, I don't want to, you know, I, I'm always probably getting accused of being overly negative. But, you know, facts are facts. And um, until, 
you know, the Welsh Rugby Union and, and the regions need to get together. They need to thrash out a sustainable way forward for rugby in Wales, which improves the standard of rugby at regional level. Um, and that may even mean cutting the team, um, to be honest. But um, unless they sort something out, then, um, you know, we're, we're, we're just going to get worse and worse. But having said that, mind, you know, I think Wayne Pivak does have to take some responsibility. I think tactically they were really naive. Um they they just they just weren't up the races physically and defensively. I mean, they I just not really sure what they were trying to do. So um, yeah, it's uh, it was just a, a bitterly disappointing um, game all round, really. Yeah, you're absolutely right, and I, I think you've you've touched on many uh, many issues there. I'm going to throw it over to some of the listeners' questions now because, as you can imagine, a lot of them revolve around uh, Wayne Pivak this uh, this week. Um, this one from Greg Sherrington. Uh, we looked so poor again yesterday. Sloppy, ill-disciplined, poorly coached. Lose next week. Is that it for Pivak? No, no, it's not. He's um, he's going to be in in situ until the um, end of the twenty twenty three World Cup. Mm-hmm. I think that's it's fairly obvious, really. Um, he's in contract. Um, you know the 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 Welsh Rugby Union. You know the. They're in a difficult position because they're in negotiation with the the PRB to um, uh, create a long term funding model, and they they won't sack him. Uh, there's no chance that he's he's Wales' coach until the end of the 2023 World Cup. Um, personally, um, I think that they need to look elsewhere after that, regardless of what happens. But um, no, if they lose next weekend, nothing will change. Um, he, he's it's it, it's yeah, he's Wales' coach until the end of the World Cup, and and that's that. Yeah, I think yeah, I couldn't couldn't agree more. It's um, I mean, I, I know I, I understand the argument that people say you know Australia changed their their coach ahead of the twenty fifteen World Cup and it made a massive difference. South Africa did the same last time around. But you're right, we are not living in those same financial times. You know, we're in um, the absolute mire, and uh, you know there is a, there's a man at the top of the tree uh, at the WRU who is uh, you know supposedly. Um, financially minded uh so um i think it's safe to say that there's there's not going to be any uh there's not going to be any um yeah any any decision made around uh around moving him on it's just uh, it's just not likely and no. i suppose the interesting thing is you know who would you even go for you know i, I don't i don't know what the the you know the, obviously you go all oh, right well yeah let's get scott robertson you, the money's the money's not there and frankly would he be interested you know where 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 is a realistic New head coach for Wales, even if Pivak were to go, I think I think that the Welsh job would be reasonably attractive, and mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't rule Robertson out. I think the Welsh rugby union would probably find money for a for a, a top replacement if it came to that. But I would question, you know, those of the Welsh rugby union, have they got the personnel there to make those appointments, the correct appointment? Um, I I don't know. Um, you know, I think I think there a lot of top coaches out there. I think. Unfortunately, I don't really see a Welsh coach being in contention. You know, we we aren't really invested in our coaching pathway, and that needs to needs to improve significantly. Um, you look around, you know, you look at people like Jamie Joseph at Japan, Robertson is the obvious one, obviously. Um, you know, there, there are a lot of interesting names. Michael Checker, somebody I quite like, if I'm being honest. Mm. Um, rule somebody like Ronan O'Gara out. So, um, you know, there are a lot of people who. They could turn to, um, but as I said, you know it's pointless talking about it because Pivak is Wales' coach until the end of the World Cup, and um, you know um, he'd be out of contract at the uh, you know at the conclusion of that. So then they can they can appoint somebody without um, you know without having to to pay him off. So um, yeah, um, I think uh, the time to discuss that is probably uh, you know after the next World Cup. Yeah, I think you're probably right. And uh, apologies to Steve White there because he sent in essentially that same question, and uh, and I completely ripped it off thinking it was my own. So, uh, uh, yeah, apologies, uh, apologies for that. Um, yeah, this is an interesting one um, from Daniel Minty. If the WRU are urging players to stick with them um, while teams don't know what their budget is, can they realistically continue to enforce the sixty cap rule? I'm a hundred percent behind it. But the governing body are forcing their own employees to seek employment where they can't get it. It's a really interesting. Uh, it's a really interesting point. Um, I think you and I have spoken a number of times about the the sixty cap rule and, and kind of how um, 
you know how much weaker the the regions would be without them uh, without that rule in place um but i mean the players are in an incredibly difficult situation while all of this is going on yeah i think it's, it's an excellent question isn't it um you know the 60 cap law i think as we we've said in the past i think there's a lot of misunderstanding surrounding it um it's actually not really there to strengthen the the four professional teams it's there to strengthen the national mm. side because the argument is um you know the the players who would be playing in England or France wouldn't be available for um, majority of, um, or for a lot, for a large amount of training sessions, and you know the 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 camps before um, Six Nations campaigns or autumn international campaigns, and you know if you're not um, in the match day 23, then you have to be released back on the Tuesday to to your English or French club, and um, to, you know which, which is which is a big problem, and then obviously they they have to go back on far the weekend, so. And obviously, if you have your players for longer, then you've got a better chance of winning. So, you know, that that's that's the reason it's there, so I understand it. Um, but obviously, you know, does it help the, the regions? It's debatable. You'd imagine that you'd have thought that having top internationals would help them. But unfortunately, the culture in Wales is such that, you know, it, it's very much Wales first, everything mm. else second. And, um, you know, they're, they're not available for their regions. So that, that's a problem. Um, I, think, I think in this case, it's a good question because... Um, the the four teams don't know the playing budget, and I I've been told that it's unlikely that they'll know their budget until into the new year, which is unacceptable. Really, it's, it's disgraceful. Um, therefore, they can't recruit and and they can't retain players. I mean, obviously, when I say they can't retain players, I mean they can obviously give players assurances that they will have contracts because ultimately they're going to have a budget at some point. Um, but what what makes it really difficult as well is that in the past um, players, you know, most players would have been able to find employment in England, for example. Mm. Um, <clears throat> obviously, the top internationals now will, will be fine. They, they'll get they'll get offers, you know, left, right and centre probably. But the, the, the sort of middle tier of player, in the past they would have, you know, been able to find contracts um, at premiership clubs in England, even if as wide squad players. But now, you know, with a salary cap of £5 million, with two clubs having effectively gone to the wall, there really isn't much room for manoeuvre in the English game. The, the English game is on its on its backside. Uh, moving to France um, would be an option, but a lot of people just don't want to live in France. You know, they've got families and you know other considerations. Um, so that that's a problem. And obviously they've got the GIF ruling in France, which means less foreigners, albeit that Cody could offer opportunities. But uh, the fact of the matter is there's actually a lot less opportunity now to, to move away. Um, and, that, and that's a big problem. But I I have a good authority that the sixty cap law is not going anywhere anytime mm. soon. So um, I, th- I think they they'll, they'll probably use that to to keep players in Wales. But as I, as I've said, I feel like I'm going around in circles. There, there really isn't much opportunity outside of Wales at the moment. That's that's the the issue for a lot of players. It's 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 concerning really because mm. you know the, the Steve Phillips said last week in the AGM, you know, what would you say to players that are out of contract? And he, and he said just stick with stick us, with, but. Yeah. You know these people's livelihoods at stake, man. You know their families and whatnot want security. So um, I I just think it's just unacceptable that they they haven't um, come up with a solution, um, you know yet. And you know if it goes into the new year, that's just uh, well, it's just ridiculous, really. How and also how can you expect these these four professional teams to be successful? You know it's it's unfair to expect them to be successful if they can't plan ahead. It's it's just uh, it's just a total shambles. Yeah, and you know, I think these things. We've done so many of these podcasts where we look back after a bad Wales defeat and go, right, change this, 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 and this. Cut out the errors. You know, bring in yeah. this so and so at blindside flanker, whatever it might be. But it does feel like this one runs a lot deeper because it's set against yeah. um, you know a, a few seasons of misery at regional level. And the other thing with the, it's not just because the regions are you know are. And not winning games, it just feels like you touched on it there. The things like the coaching pathway that's not there right now. You know, are are the academies producing the same level of talent um, that we've had that we've had in the past? I, I'm not sure. You know, I mean, certainly compared to other other nations, right? You, and I know Ireland is is much more heavily funded, and I know there isn't the the, the money in Wales to fund it in the same. And they've way got the private agreed. school system as and well, they, and they've got the private school system agreed. Um, 
But I mean, you just look at the absolute conveyor belt of talent in every single position, um, and it's, it's it's poles apart from from where Wales are. So this runs a lot lot deeper than just the match day twenty three isn't right. And and I agree it isn't. And I think you know I I don't feel like Wayne Pivak is getting enough out of the the <laughs> squad that he has. But it runs a lot lot deeper and. Yeah. Um, and it does feel like for a long time the kind of the success of Team Wales has papered over the cracks, and yeah. and that's blown open there. It's blown wide open. I, I think I think if you go back to two thousand six, two thousand seven, when when Wales were you know they did a terrible Six Nations finished fifth, and obviously that infamous day in Nantes when Fiji knocked us out of the World Cup, and Gareth Jenkins got sacked. I think Gareth Jenkins had the players to be doing a lot better, mm. and I think Gatland came in. Wales were a quick fix. Yeah. They had the players, they had a little bit of depth as well. Um, but they're not a quick quick fix now. No. I think, you know, when they sacked Jenkins and got they went to get Gatland, who was arguably the best coach in the world at the time. As I said, they had the they had the cattle to, to be doing better. They could change they could improve almost overnight. Simply getting Scott Robertson in. Mm. They'll they'll improve, but not to the extent where they go in grand slams and triple crowns and and all that, that that sort of thing. They, they they just haven't got the quality of play that they used to have. They haven't got the depth. They they haven't got the um infrastructure to be successful. Um, you know, to, to compete for silver test level anymore. That that's that's the reality of it. And you know, the, the whole game they, they need to take a step back like like they did in two thousand and two, two thousand and three, and just say, Look, this ain't working anymore. The whole game is buggered. Um, how are we going to fix it? You know, we need to do something dramatic. Um, we need to lay foundations. We we really, you know, because we're going to go back to like we were in the eighties and nineties. I don't think that's over dramatic at all. We lost to Italy in the last Six Nations. Um, so that's what needs to happen. And obviously, having a world class coach like a Scott Robertson or a Razzie Erasmus or somebody like that is part of it. Of course, I I, I would like to see that, but. That that's just one part. Of it. It's not. It's not going to change things overnight. Um, you're not going to have another Gatland that can just come in and win a Grand Slam in his first campaign. Um, a, a lot has got to change if Wales are going to be um, going to be a, a proper force on international level again. They'll they'll still win one-off Test matches and stuff, but yeah, consi- to get consistent success, they they're just they're nowhere near it, unfortunately. The whole game is buggered and we don't know how to fix it. That seems about the uh, the optimum time to take a quick break. I was break, going to use strong words. <laughs> hey, look, I feel, feel, no, feel free. I, I reckon a lot of people listening to this on the way to work on a Monday morning will be, uh, will be using stronger words. But anyway, we are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we will take a look ahead to the rest of uh, the autumn series for Wales. We'll be looking at what potential changes to make for next week. And uh, we'll also be having a look at some of the other teams who are in action this weekend. But all that is coming up after this quick break. Right, Steph, into the second half. There is another game next week. um, And Argentina, you know, are absolutely no mugs as they have proven today. You know they they've always been a hard side to beat in Argentina. This this season they've got wins on New Zealand turf and at Twickenham. How big a test is this next week for Wales? I think it's a huge test. Um, to begin with, is um, it's a confidence test as well. Um, you know that they, they would have been they they had the, you know the stuff they knocked out of them yesterday. Not not just results wise, but um, from a sort of confidence point of view um, and on the flip side Argentina are going to be very confident um, over the last two years they've beaten New Zealand twice once in in New Zealand which you know, hardly anyone does apart from Ireland um, you know they, they've, they've stuffed Australia you know they, they've beaten South Africa recently they, they've beaten all every you know every top team in world rugby you know they're a force the problem Argentina have got is losing the Haguaras was a blow for their development because um, now they've got players playing all over the world and obviously they're playing a high, more so playing a high standard, but it can be very difficult to sort mm. of bring them together and that sort of means inconsistency. But they're in camp now. You know, they, they've won they've won a Twickenham. They're going to be confident. They've got one of the best coaches in the world and Michael Checker, as far as I'm concerned, one of the most tactically astute coaches in world rugby. Knows how to get the best of players. Um, I, I think they're a huge test. Um, 
I would like Argentina as well, as they don't need much of the ball to win games. I think they only had about thirty-seven percent possession today. They got a really strong defense, which they they didn't have um, pre-checker. Um, and they're the sort of team that I remember. Um, I think it was Steve Hansen saying years ago, New Zealand always used to try and put Argentina to the sword in the first twenty minutes, because the longer they're in the game, the more they frustrate you. And and what what they have learned in the past, the the discipline let them down, and yeah. and they were very, they didn't have the patience. But that's improved in the checker, um, and and they got some they got some firepower behind the scrum as well, um, and also I actually think they got the best goal kick in world rugby and Emiliano Boffelli, mm. um, so I I think that they're, they're a huge huge test for Wales and I think Argentina travel to Cardiff as as firm favourites. I think they have to, don't they? And um, you know it's not taking them, you know that we've we've seen in the past they've they've turned up with you know perhaps. Without a few players who they who they would have wanted, you know, not having a full a full strength side, you know, this is a battle hardened Argentina. It's a side that has become used to winning, and uh, you know, and the opportunity to get a to get a scalp in in Cardiff. I know they have. I know they've won it before. Um, you know, in our in our lifetime, I think they they did it only ten years ago, didn't they? But yeah. the op- the opportunity to do that off the back of a win at um on the back of a win at Twickenham, this is a massive opportunity, and they are going to be so up for it that this is going to be a massive massive test i think and um and i agree i think they i think they have to go in firm favorites um just to bring it back to bring it back to yesterday and 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 then to look ahead to next week what are those the big i mean there was so much wrong with it but what are the areas that simply have to be addressed uh, in order to in order to give argentina a game next week um i think that the scrum um even though it was a uh, you know the Scrum effectively won them the game um, late on, but Argentina, it's a bit of a misnomer that they're strong yeah. in the scrum. It's actually their Achilles heel. Has been for a while. They've struggled there, so I think Wales need to... You know, Wales' scrum was fairly good when Thomas Francis and Gareth Thomas played last season, but De Groot, Ethan De Groot, yeah, crucified Francis yeah. in the scrum yesterday. Um, you know, that was an area they all was tuned Wales there. So that's an area, but I think the, the biggest area is the breakdown. They got totally wrong. They, they got annihilated. Dalton Papa Ely. Uh, I mean, Adi Sevilla was man of match, rightly so, but Papa Ely absolutely everywhere yesterday. Them. Yeah, he destroyed them at the breakdown. It was the poorest I've ever seen Tommy Raffle play. Um, you know, Tipperick grew as the game went on, but uh, you know, he, he was a pretty bad tackle on uh, Papa Ely early on. Um, so I think. I think it's the breakdown. I think that's that's a huge problem. They were unable to slow New Zealand down whatsoever. The game was played. They played the game at the pace they wanted them to play. They wanted to be played at. And if you look at Argentina, Matt, Pablo Matera is one of the best back rows in the world. I think Kramer is a tremendous player as well. Those are two genuine world class players, and the breakdown doesn't get any easier this weekend. I think that's a big, big problem for them. Um, and also, I just think that Wales didn't create much behind the scrum either. But but the main the main issue for me are the, you know, is is the breakdown. If they fix the breakdown, then you know, obviously they they're going to give themselves a decent opportunity. But um, I I, th- I think it got a tough. It's an uphill battle for me. Yeah, the other thing that you mentioned as well, and obviously it's it's linked to to having such quick ball. You, I think your exact phrase in the first half, uh, the first half of this show was the defense was porous, and and that's exactly it. You know, there was simple things yeah. you mentioned. You know, Missed up, missed up tackles from from people like Tipperick aren't things that we expect, and you know some of those. Obviously, there were some brilliant All Blacks uh, skills on display yesterday, but some of the tries were so easy. You know, it just felt, it was like it was like early noughties, you know, nineties stuff where you just had one side that's that is absolutely light years ahead of the other. And and to be honest, I thought we were kind of you know I thought we were out of that. Yeah, the the era where we got completely pummeled by sides and um and gave away tries so soft as that um but you know <laughs> we're in it and it it doesn't feel like that's a particularly quick fix you know for this week I don't know how you can suddenly have a much more a much more cohesive defensive unit in the space of one week. No, absolutely. Um, but one thing I will say, mind is. A lot of the defensive errors weren't coaching errors. Yeah. They were just simple one-up tackles. Mm. There's one tackle where Papa Ely just burst through Tipperick or went high. Nothing to do with coaching. It's just mm. poor tackle, isn't it? Um, so there are a few errors ago. Then there were other times where 
fingers for the Aaron Smith try on 42 minutes. A ref I was just standing in the wrong yeah. place. There was one time when Nicky Smith was just totally out of position. So, but but the, the defense actually was was a lot lot better in South Africa in summer. Yeah, which which is the frustrating bit. But you know, there's no. I don't even want to really speak about Sean Edwards because that's gone now. It's about three years ancient history. But you know, we we our defense was a was a, you know you you said that just now that. You thought the mismatches like that against Wales were a thing of the past. Mm. And even though we we weren't successful against the Hall Blacks and the Gatland, we never beat them. But when whenever New Zealand, apart from that third place playoff, um, when we were, you know, we very we, rarely got pumped by them. Yeah, like that. We, yeah. We, New Zealand had to play well to beat us. They had to really like work for it. But yesterday they were toying with us. It was mm. it was just an embarrassment. I mean that that dummy from Ardi Surveyor. Uh, um, never. I mean it's like, Harle- it's like Harlem Globetrotters type stuff. You know it was yeah. it was ridiculous, and um, yeah, it, it just all you know Wales looks so rusty and lethargic. Um, and and let's face it, you know this is I know I, I was never expecting us to beat New Zealand, but it is a side that has played a lot of rugby this year, has had a lot of defeats that it's not used to. You would have just hoped that we were able to, to you know, to give them a proper test. And it at no point during that game did I think we were gonna we were gonna win. At no point. No, absolutely. And you know, as I said, but it's just the breakdown. New Zealand was so much faster, so much. There's so much more intent. You know, you know, when the ruck speed was incredibly fast, and it was just a failure on Wales's part. And they they got to they got to fix that that area. And I assume your next question would be. Um, selection. Um, <clears throat> I think that the back row's got to be got to be seriously looked at, hasn't it? Um, you know, I we said this last week, didn't we? That the the breakdown functioned really well in South Africa because you had a proper six. And I know these, are, Lindy, I know the, I know Lindy. these are cliches, but a proper six, a proper seven, a proper eight. You have um, to play legit. I think you probably do, yeah. And I think. Um, Tipperick's the captain, but Raffle, you know, Raffle didn't have a great game. But you know, I, I have a good authority who's carrying an injury. But if he's fit, I actually think that Lydiate and Raffle is a is a better balance than uh, having Tipperick. I um, mean, look, Raffle is certainly much more of a. Yeah, I, again, I'm sure we said this last week. Is much more of a uh, of a slowing ball down, turnover winning seven than. Tipperick, who you know is more of the link man. I do think it's a bit of a misnomer that he's not good over the ball. I think that's a bit of a, a little bit of a myth. Um, but it's certainly not the strongest suit within his game. Whereas Raffle is an out and out, you know, an out and out dog of a seven who can who can get over the ball. And you're right, it was it was a really strange performance yesterday. And you know, whether it's injury or whether it's just you know having a, a bad game at the start of his international career, I think we're going to see a lot more of Tommy Raffle at seven. Um, but I think a lot of it, I, yeah, a lot of it for me just comes down to that overall balance. I, I don't think you could afford to pick two sevens um, in that um, for that game yesterday, and I certainly don't think you can do it next week. So whether it's Lydia Tipperick, Falatau, or Lydia Reffel, I, I mean it will be Tipperick because he's captain. Um, but mm. you know, I, I just think it is more down to how how it's balanced as a as a unit. And I know these are these are rugby tropes and cliches, but there there is a lot of truth in that one. I think. Uh, yeah, I also think uh, I actually think Rio Dyer did reasonably well yesterday, mm. but um, Wayne Pivak name checked Alex Cuthbert after the game, so I think he's probably going to come back in. Um, and full backs an issue. I mean, and Scamaz got a pace plate full back anymore. No, um, which we which we saw with the charge down, and he got yeah. you know and he got caught. I know Moanga's not slow, but he got caught. You know, he got caught on that. Whereas I think you know I think someone who's a genuine fifteen. Charges that down and scores if it pops up like that. Um, I think you know he's he's passed his best, but I think half penny if he's fit, probably gonna have to start. And there yeah. isn't really much option. Do you think he is um, going to be fit, Steph? Well, I don't know. Um, obviously, I'm not, I'm not his doctor, but uh, <laughs> um, if he is, there's not much choice. I mean, I, I quite like he's not in the squad, but you know, to be fair, you know, Jiffy has been, um, you know, um, banging his drum for a lot of, for years. You know, I mean. Liam Williams and Lee Halfpenny have absolutely dominated the number 15 jersey and there's no one that's, that's really come through. Um, I quite like Tom Rogers at mm. Scarlet. I would have personally had him in the squad and developed him. But yeah, you look at the squad and there aren't, there's hardly any options. You're going to have to, 
you're going to have to have half penny then. You, know? I mean, the only other thing you could do is Josh Adams at full back. But I mean, you're still relying. Um, you're still relying on him being fit. Um, yeah, we're clutching at straws. We are, and and there, you know, a, a lot of those selections I looked at a, um, when when Pivak named his side, and we said this when he named his squad. There was a lot of players in there who hadn't played a lot of rugby. Now, in the case of someone like Ken Owens, Ken Owens had an, you know, an outstanding game actually, and you know, put in a monster yeah, shift for a guy who hadn't played much. Um, but again, that rustiness it just worries me when you know if Josh Adams comes straight into a position he's not played very much at, at test at test level. Um, again, having not played much rugby um, this term, I can't remember when he picked up that injury, but we're going back. I don't know, probably about six weeks. Um, yeah. It's just a, you know, it's just a concern to to expect someone to then go in at test match level and be able to play um, to play you know uh, at that highest level. So um, I think you're right. Clutching at straws is the um, uh, is probably that is probably the right expression. So you think um, you think I know you mentioned that. Pivak name-checked Cuthbert in there while we're talking to players who haven't played much. Do you think he's going to come in for Dyer then? It sounded that way. Mm. I actually thought Rio Dyer played well. I did. His chase was good. Um, he was beaten in the air by Barrett. But I yeah. think I think that was more credit to Jordy Barrett rather than anything he did wrong. I don't mm. think he did anything wrong. Um, obviously, he took his try really well. I, I thought he was a really positive start to, uh, you know, to his international career. Um, <clears throat> the other change... You look at outside half. Um, Prieston didn't do anything wrong, but I, at the same time, I didn't really think he. I don't think he's the answer either uh, at the moment. I mean, Anscom. I I probably would pick Anscom at ten, but I do like. I I would like to see Costello nurtured as well, so I'd like to see him on the bench. But I probably I probably would pick um, Gareth Anscom in the number ten shirt. But um, look, I mean, we're thin on the ground and top quality players, aren't we? Yeah, you know, I, part of me would be would, would be tempted if I was if I was Pivat to be looking at um, not left field selections, but I know what you're saying about Costello. You know, if we even if we have an absolute stinker of a of an autumn, which it looks like we may do, Pivak is going to be there in charge for the World Cup, and if he's then got a Sam Costello by the time we get to the World Cup with ten fifteen caps to his name, he yeah. is a player who you know who can find some more form. I would say the same about Chris Chunza as well, and I thought he added something yeah. coming off the bench. That that athleticism, that line out, um, uh, that kind of um, line out option, both attacking and defensively. You know, part of me would be t- as much as I love Lydia, and Lydia was brilliant in the in that test series. Part of me would be tempted to just chuck him in and go right. Let me you ask know. you a question. Let me ask you a question. Right now, I've I've been a fan of his in the past, but when you look at Arden Beard's size. Mm. Is he use his size enough? When do you see him carry the ball? What, yeah. when, when do you ever see him carry the ball? Like Jake Ball used to do, like, like Will mm. Rowlands tries to do. Small defence is really good. He had a real, real purple patch uh, 2021, was it? Yeah, um, he was on the Lions tour. Deserved to go on the Lions tour ahead of James Ryan. But has he really kicked on? You know, sh- should his place be under threat? Um, you know, Will Rowlands perhaps didn't have his greatest game yesterday, but you know, it was a collective effort, wasn't it? It was a collective failure as a pack, but he is Wales' best second row and should be the Welsh captain, in my opinion, in Bigger's absence. But, um, you know, that decision has been made. But do you think that that's somewhere... You know, you look look at the front five. I mean, in terms of the squad, I mean, you know, we've heard a lot about Ben Carter and he may develop, but he's not shown much at all, really, is he? I mean, Reese Davis has been... Excellent for the Ospreys. Why hasn't he hasn't been given an opportunity? With the Wales, yeah. um, I really don't understand why he hasn't been given an opportunity. I mean, David Jenkins has huge potential, um, you know, not in the squad. So, but I, I think his place should be under a bit of scrutiny. If, if I'm being brutally honest with you, um, and I, I would, um, you know, I think Rowlands is safe, but I, I, I'd like to, um, I'd, I'd like to see Christians as at uh, luck. second row next week with. Um, with Dan Lidget at six, that's mm. what I'd like to see. Yeah, I, again, I would, I, I would probably be quite excited by that. As a, I don't know, for me, it, you know, you mentioned clutching at straws, right? And part of that clutching at straws for me thinks, who are the players who've got the ability to kick on and be top class international players? Now, Chunza is one of them, a hundred percent. Costello is another. Costello is one of them. Lewis Rees-Samet is another one of them, right? And he's a guy who's looked absolutely red hot for Gloucester, and he's looked, uh, you know. 
didn't really get a sniff of the ball yesterday. But, but Rio Dyer, Rio Dyer should retain his place. Absolutely, I, yeah, I agree. And and if 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 he makes a mistake, so be it. Mm. But you know, I think I think the upside is that he's going to be more. But he's going to have more caps for the time the World Cup comes along, and he's got something about him, hasn't he? He's got a bit of size as well. Yeah. Um, but it's it's like I'm I'm like a, I'm a huge half penny fan. I think he's yeah. been one of the most te- technically proficient players Wales have ever had. Um, criminally underrated, underappreciated by many, but. And you know he's not going to leave you down if he, if he starts on the weekend, and I don't think you should put a cap on, you know, on age. If you know if you're 37 and you're still the best player you're from the World Cup, then then pick him. But I just think though he's got to look at developing the full back. I mean he's not the finished product. But I do like Rogers, Scarlett's no, full back. I, I don't know why they're playing him on the wing because he's a full back. Um, you know, the, the only other guy they could call into the squad, I don't think they will, they could yeah, call Johnny Lloyd McNichol, or Johnny McNichol, yeah. But you know, I, I think Pivak, it looks like Pivak has sold shares in him, if I'm being honest. Johan Lloyd hasn't played much for Bristol. I, I don't think he's a full-back anyway. Um, you know, um, Matt Proff throws a good attack and play, but his defence isn't good enough. We're thin on the ground, aren't we? You know, it's... We haven't got the required quality of player coming through. Um, we haven't got the right number of them. Um, you know, I'll probably get slated for saying this, but you know, I only deal in facts. And the fact that the fact is that ten years ago we we had players at under twenties level who were superior or at the same level as the Kiwis had or the English or the yeah. South Africans had. But apart from one or two, and Chuns as one of those, you know, we're not there anymore. We, well, we're not. Really? Well, look, the results are there, right? And I know under-20s yeah. results can be slightly misleading because it depends. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've got a squad full of 18 and 19-year-olds, it, it, it can be very different. But, you know, we've seen in the in the under-20s Six Nations, really, since um, since we won that Grand Slam that we've, we've struggled. Uh, and I think that was 2016. And then from there, you know, we've, we've not had the best... I know there's been a lot of cancelled... Uh, Junior World Cups, but yeah. you know we've not we've not had that same run since the the kind of the 2013 phase really. So it's um oh. it's and that and that kind of speaks volumes I think. So yeah, d- does it feel like the talent is um is there in the same degree that it was before? No, because you know we knew that was it the, the 2007 squad that had Warburton and Halfpenny and and a number 2008. of 2008 was it? Yeah. Um, you know, you knew a bunch of those would go on and be top international players, and and, and as it turned out, uh, you know, and, and to a certain extent, thirteen as well. But it's yeah. it's um, we haven't had that run for a long time, and and I think part of that is because we are not producing as much talent as we were before, and that's that's obviously going to have a knock on when it comes to when it comes to the test side. Yeah, um, absolutely, and but yeah, I, I think I think you're right. Um, I think we have got a. Um... Look ahead a little bit, so I'd I'd like to see Costro in the in the mm. twenty three probably on the bench. I'd start Chunza. Um, I, I I'd retain Rio Dia. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to think what else I do because a lot of players I would pick aren't in the squad. And that's, yeah. that's a problem. I suppose one of the positives from yesterday was that the centres started to to click a bit more. It's by no means Nick perfect, Tompkins but well. Tompkins played well. He was a, you know he was a threat with with ball in hand and um and I thought North ran you know ran good decoy lines. He carried a lot and I, that's one of those you know it feels like having been a problem position for quite a while with both those two fit that feels like the first choice 12 and 13 so at least there is some kind of continuity there I do like I think Joe Hawkins is an elite prospect as well um, and Mason Grady is actually in the squad now as well mm. so uh, there is some you know decent centres coming through which you know is, is promising to an extent but um, there's not much more we can say in it really where you know, there's a lot of deep-rooted problems in Welsh rugby, which aren't aren't going to get solved by sacking the coach. Basically, no. it's not no. a quick fix. It was a quick fix in 2007, 2008. It ain't a quick fix. No, this is 2002, 2003 level sort of restructuring. That's what that's what's needed. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Um, slightly, I mean, interesting if slightly tabloid uh, one here, Steph, which. Uh, Jamie Phillips has brought to our attention. Um, I don't know if you saw a tweet from the Beast yesterday, kind of uh, 
Tendai and Tamawira <laughs> implying that perhaps it was time for Alan Wynne Jones to um, to move on. We were talking about some of the second row potential there. Do you? Um, what were your thoughts on on that on kind of uh, Alan Wynne Jones's future? I think the the beast is entitled to his opinion. Mm. Um, I don't think he should be ridiculed for it. Um, I think the the, the question the answer is the question you should be asking is is Alwyn Jones in the top four locks in Wales? Yes, he is. Mm. Um, he's an experienced player, so yeah, he should be in the squad. I think um, I would definitely have him in the squad. However, um, you know we, we obviously do need to look beyond him as well. I think obviously that's why Chuns is there. I would have gone one further about Dave Jenkins there as well. Um, I, I you know naturally Alwyn Jones isn't the player he was a couple of years back. Um, but you know the fact of the matter is, is he in the top four locks in Wales four five? Yes. So I, I probably would would have him in the squad. But um, you know we we he's not he's not the reason that we're we're struggling at the moment. Um, but um, I, I I think I think the beast went over the top. I think he had a long time retired, and you know Victor Matfield um, was about thirty eight, wasn't he yeah. at the twenty. When was that? Twenty, not twenty eleven, twenty fifteen World Cup. Um, so yeah, I, I, I would um, retain him in the squad, but obviously he's, um, he's a player that's, um, uh, you know, his powers are on the wane, and that's understandable. Let's have a quick look at some of the other games from this weekend. Um, Scotland Fiji is largely uh, was largely. Um, so kind of sluggish performance from Scotland and, and and they got the the job done. Something I wanted to draw attention to again, um, they looked like the most stonewall red card uh, in that game. We had a rant about this last week and I feel exactly the same. Swinging arm to the jaw, um, Fiji, Fiji left winger, I can't remember. Uh, I can't remember his name, but it looked as as easy a red card to, to give as possible. And yet again, it was talked down from uh, from a yellow. That was the, the main talking point out of that game for me. Yeah, um, uh, two main talking points. I actually thought Fiji caused Scotland a lot of problems, mm. and uh, it's a bit ominous for Wales who uh, play them at the World Cup in France, and we all know what happened the last time. Well, we and cru- <laughs> we do crucially, Steph, uh, play them in France when they've had some time together to prepare. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely, and and obviously the, there's if you look at the, the way the fixture lists are. Um, Fall in this World Cup, there's you know in previous World Cups, tier two nations have a real raw, real raw deal. Sorry, in terms of um, uh, you know the the recovery time between tests, but it's a bit it's a lot fairer this time, which is quite scary. Uh, it's right, but mm. quite scary if you're playing Fiji. But yeah, I agree with you. I think that that was abysmal refereeing, really, wasn't it? Just you know, I'm I'm sick of it. I'm sick of seeing it. Really, just. You know, you got all this medical evidence that these players are, you know, suffering brain injuries and how players can suffer brain injuries from consistent knocks to the head. You can't totally just, you know, get rid of head knocks in rugby because that's the nature of the sport to an extent. But what we got to do is we, we got to we gotta just clamp, we got to totally eradicate direct shots to the head. And the way to do that is to just show no mercy, really, and just to give red cards automatically. And, that's a red card offence, and yeah, you know, because we're not just saving the players, we're saving the game. Because you know, as more and more people come out, um, ex players, high profile, and have early onset dementia and other brain injuries, long term brain injuries, which affect their quality of life in the later years, then um, it's going to um, make parents think twice about sending the kids to play rugby. And you know, I, I don't think officials like that are doing the game justice, I think it brings in a disrepute, really. If you're not punishing these accordingly, and that was that was a clear red card offence, as was the one to the Scottish player last week. That was that was bullshit. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a big fan of Luke Pierce, but that was bullshit. Um, whether it's bicep or shoulder, it was direct to the head. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think it was a terrible decision, really. And um, yeah, I, I just I don't I don't think World Rugby are taking it seriously enough, really. The, well, the threat yeah. of um, brain injuries. While we're talking um, showing no mercy and uh, and bullshit refereeing decisions, I thought it was another one in the Ireland game. I thought you could very easily have sent off Cheslin Colby for uh, um, for that tip tackle on oh, um, yeah. uh, on on Mac Hansen. Um, you know, again, it, I don't think it matters what degree of force is going down there. It's an unnecessary no. lift. Um, and do you know you what? I, on the call, I'm not game the other week. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Exactly. 
Yeah, it's a diabolical call, both of them. And, you know, to be honest, I even think there's an argument to send both of them off. And I know that sounds ridiculous and ludicrous, but it's like, unless you unless you have those measures, there is no there will be no change in behaviour and players will continue to take that risk. And, um, you know, and essentially got away with one. He completely got away with one in that game. And, you know, yes, it would have killed yeah. it as a contest, but so what? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think you could tell, I think it was a comment, I think it was Matt Reynal was the assistant. Yeah. And I think you could tell that he was trying to talk him into have another look. I think Absolutely. it's a red card, yeah. mate. You know, um, that, that's driving someone head first in the ground a red card offence, pal. So maybe you want to look at it again. That 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 was what the body language was sort of giving off. Um, but, you know, obviously, you know, if a referee gives a red card and he comes in from, you know, for a lot of stick and abuse from, you know, the uh you know the large uh, amount of ignorant people on social media then you know he's he's gonna think twice isn't he and yeah I, I totally agree with it I think it's a red card offence. Um I, I think yeah I think the standard of officiating needs to improve. Agreed. Um it was a very, very good test match that said. And, oh, it was. and uh yeah played it you know the, particularly the second half you know played with real intensity. Ireland have this real knack of uh, of winning big games now. Can they continue it into the World Cup? Are, you know, are we are we dealing with an Ireland that is going to turn up and and have a real chance? No one within the Irish camp is saying it, and I noticed that in the pre match interviews, with the exception of Andy Farrell. I think he believes that they can they can have a real good shot at winning this World Cup. And if I'm honest, I'd be inclined to agree. Yeah, I mean, obviously that <laughs> we've been here before where they've looked really good and they've flopped, but this feels a bit different. Um, they're going that extra mile now. They won a series in New Zealand, which is something even the Lions haven't done since 1971. Um, you know, the way they, they weren't at their best yesterday, but they yeah. still beat the world champions. First game up, they got the physicality, they got the depth, they got the, the uh, set piece prowess. They're, they're, you know, absolutely flawless at the breakdown. Um, they create tries, they can absorb pressure. They're just a, an excellent, outstanding team. The one weakness they do have, though, is sex in the ten. He's a fantastic player, but he goes down, begin to scratch your head a little bit. So that's the one weakness they got. But for me, uh, you know, they they are. There's no doubt about it. They're serious, serious contenders to uh, lift the Web Ellis Cup in uh, in Paris. They're they're a, it's it's the best Irish team in history. I think. Yeah, big. Uh, well, I don't even think that is a big shout. I think you're. I think you're right. And then. Talking to Paris, uh, another sensational game in uh, yesterday evening in Paris. Um, and again, I don't think this bodes particularly well for Wales' World Cup hopes because I think Australia have found, you know, are starting to do as they as they always do and find some form heading into heading into the World Cup. And the kind of rugby they play, I think they will fancy themselves to to top that pool um, with Wales in it. And I'm not going to say they were unlucky because, you know, if you switch off at test match level you, against a side like France, you will get punished. But my God, they gave them one hell of a game yesterday. Yeah, they did. I was actually really impressed with them, even though they lost. Yeah. The scrum was really good, um, which is not something we always associate with uh, the Wallabies with. You know, that try from the end of the world, really, you know, was, was just absolutely phenomenal. Um, they're just really physical. I thought the way they nullified France's driving line out. They didn't let themselves get overpowered. Um, they've still got some issues. I think outside half's a problem still. Foley did reasonably well, but there's not much depth there. No. Um, and they are vulnerable in many ways. They've been really inconsistent under Dave Rennie. Um, but I, I, I've always felt, unlike with Pivac with Wales, I think even though Australia have been inconsistent, I, I've always felt that like Rennie was slowly pushing them forward. I think he's had a plan. I think he's had a plan this yeah. whole time, which it hasn't yeah. felt like Wales have. Yeah, I, th I think so. I think they've been, even when they've lost games, they've always been aspects of their game where you can see improvement. I think it's starting to come together. I think they've got some good players as well. Um, so I, I'm, I, they lost, which is a you know obviously not ideal because you play to win, and they switched off at the end. But I, yeah, I, I, I was quite impressed and. Again, um, doesn't bode well for Wales in a few weeks and on uh, on next year in the World Cup. But um, yeah, I I was really impressed. Um, and obviously Michael Hooper being back is great and obviously um a big boost to them as well. But the the second rows was a frost. 
and um, Neville. Neville. They they bought a real edge to them, and obviously, I've always always been baffled where they haven't been picking Skelton, but Skelton coming off the bench. Oh, where, no so, one wants to say that when you're tired. Off, you? Yeah, great offloading game. Um, so the, you know, Taniella Tupo's always been a massive talent, but his technical game's getting a lot better now as well. So yeah, I, I was impressed with them. But I was yeah, impressed I was. with France as well. The way they weren't at their best because Australia didn't leave them be at their best, but they still found a way to win. So um. Yeah, I, I was yeah, I was impressed with both sides. It was a it was a crack in the test match. It was the best of the weekend. Yeah, and there were some you know some real standout performances. The Australian back three really impressed me. Um, I know I think I think a lot of them have played rugby at fullback, and I think it kind of showed. You know, they they all looked so comfortable under the high ball. The the attacking ambition that they showed, particularly you know, obviously, particularly when you look at that try. Um, was uh, was really really impressive, but I think they're the things that you know that when Australia are playing well, they have that kind of fearlessness about them, and and really it's an Australian side perhaps without those big household names that you've had in the past. I think you know it's it's a side that's that's really kind of finding its feet in there. Yes, there are some experienced yeah. players like Foley and Hooper, uh, uh, etc. But it, it feels like a, a kind of young side that's 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 really finding its um finding its feet now, which again um, doesn't bode well. But you're right, France. You know they they found a way to win and uh, and good sides do that and they're on a hell of a winning run and the fact that the World Cup's in their backyard I think uh, I think you know they 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 it, I think it all comes down to whether they uh, they they wilt under the expectancy of it or they they rise to the occasion and I actually think that I I think it's probably going to be the latter of those I think they're going to relish a World Cup in their own backyard. Yeah, I, w- I would agree. They've got so much depth. They just. Just phenomenal talent. Um, they they have the best domestic competition in the world, which helps as well. Yeah, there's just so much power there, so much skill, so much dynamism. Got world class goal kickers as well. Um, you know, finally got the coaching sorted. Yeah. The Galti, not just Edwards, but Galti as well. Um, they they're just a complete team, and in my opinion, they're the favourites to win the World Cup. It's all whether they can cope with the pressure. Now, obviously, the All Blacks are contenders, the Springboks are contenders. Um, <clears throat> obviously, the Irish as well. Um, but for me, if I was to pick a winner now, it'd be France. Yeah, um, I, it's worth I would agree with that. Them, you know the, the the pressure, but they they got all the ingredients to to win it even more than Ireland. I think. Uh, yeah, I agree. And finally, uh, England lost at home to Argentina today. Uh, actually, haven't uh, haven't seen this game yet but uh, I mean England's England's record again this year we've made, we said that Wales's last few seasons haven't made you know for pretty reading but considering the player depth that England have um you know there'll be some considerable pressure coming on Eddie, Eddie Jones yeah I think so uh, they, they just you know England have always got a very strong pack set piece um you know good kicking game but they just run out of ideas when they can't Overpower a team, which they didn't today. They just run out of ideas. There's no subtlety in the way they play. There's not much variety, and also Argentina scored a first phase ball as well on one occasion. Which you don't see that often at top international level. And um, <clears throat> credit to Argentina. I think we need to appreciate how good a side they are. They're a very good side, but you know, but England would always be contenders at World Cups. They'd always you're gonna all never rule them out because of their power because. They've got that to fall back on, but they need to they need to find someone else as well because mm. when when you when they can't overpower you, they haven't got much else. South Africa have got a little bit extra, for example, but I I just felt that they they just look blunt. You know, Vuni Polo was totally found out. He runs he runs straight and hard, and Argentina met him on the game line and you know spilt a lot of ball. They they just. Yeah, they, they they just they've run out of ideas, and I think they they need to find something quickly because you know the World Cup's only around the corner. They they they'll be they'll be competitive in the World Cup. You'd never rule them out, but I don't think that they're the level they were at in twenty nineteen. If I'm being honest, no. Um, mind you, it's it's worth noting they had a stinking season in twenty eighteen, didn't they? I think a year before yeah. that, and then turned up at the World Cup. And the, the one thing I've I've said on here numerous occasions, Eddie Jones has got a ridiculously strong. Record when it comes to World Cups, actually, but he's going to need to he's going to need to find something um, going into this one because you're right. There's a um, there seems to really only be one game plan. 
Um, right, just quickly before we finish, then Steph, looking ahead to next week against uh, against Argentina, what is uh, what's your prediction for for Wales versus Argentina? Argentina, I I'm gonna say Wales eighteen, Argentina thirty. Wow, that is comprehensive, isn't it? Um, I was going to go Argentina by four, um, so I will say uh, Argentina twenty, Wales sixteen. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it, it's a difficult challenge, and yeah. whatever the result, we'll be here to to pick the bones out of it next week. Um, all that remains to say then is a big thank you to everyone for listening. Uh, thank you as always to chat to you, Steph. Um, really appreciate you joining us. And uh, finally, a thanks to our sponsors. So Coffee Trades, if you want to get some top quality coffee and support uh, a growing Welsh business, you can do that at socoffeetrades.co.uk. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. Podcast Network.